Okay, hey everyone, Lisa Natoli, and I'm excited to have my friend Max just in the house. Welcome, Max. Buongiorno, come sta? That's Italian for good morning. How are you? Oh, lovely. Max <laughs> is going to Italian with his sweetheart, Leo. I am. Italian. Yeah. I just called it Italian. I'm sorry, you're going mm -hmm. to Italy with your sweetheart, Leah. <laughs> We're going to Italian and to Italy, so it's all good. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, yeah. well, this is normally the Lisa show, but we have a special edition today, the Max and Lisa show. And I received this amazing question from someone about prayer. And... I actually just did a 40-minute podcast, which was so boring that I decided to kill it <laughs> because I answered the woman's question in five minutes, and then I had this idea to read A Course in Miracles, and I don't know, somewhere in the reading of A Course in Miracles on prayer, I was boring myself. So I decided to call Max up in Australia, and he was there. But you could really bore yourself. I could, no way. <laughs> you never bore me. So I asked Max what he thought about this question, and what he was just expressing was so good that I asked him if he would come on and we could push the record button, and so here we are. So welcome, everyone. I'm Lisa Natoli, and I'm the founder of The Healing Cure and the 40-Day Program for Transformation. You can sign up on my mailing list at lisanatoli.com for emails, and that concludes the announcements. <laughs> and I want to just get right into this question from this woman named Jen, and she wants to know... What is prayer, and how do you pray for people who ask for prayer? So she writes, Hi, Lisa. Hope this email reaches you. I listened to your podcast talk titled Jesus Wept the other day. You had mentioned prayer and that the only prayer to say is thank you, God. I have been getting a lot of people telling me lately about their loved ones and wanting me to pray for them. I sometimes don't even know how your words about all of this struck me, and I had hoped that you could elaborate on it a bit for me. And then I wrote her back and said, I love this question. I'll definitely talk about it on the podcast. And then she wrote me more, and she wrote, I'm so excited to listen to all your wisdom regarding the subject of prayer. I am a yoga teacher, and I always get a lot of people telling me their stories and their hardships. Then they ask me to pray for their loved ones and disclose to me all that is going on with them. I never quite know what to do with all of that. I feel so deeply for all their suffering and their sick loved ones who are suffering. I mean, what on earth do you do when someone tells you their child is battling leukemia and they ask you to pray for them? I get like a deer caught in the headlights, and here I am, a Catholic girl, who probably should be able to pray at the drop of a hat, and what does prayer really mean anyway? Are we begging? Are we asking? Still not sure. This has been on my mind for a long time, and I'm so grateful to you for bringing this to light. As soon as you briefly touched on it in your podcast, Jesus Wept, I so desperately wanted you to keep talking about it. That's when I knew I had to reach out to you. Thanks again, 
Jen. So what, basically what I said and what's my response when somebody asks, will I pray for them? My answer is always yes. That's, that's just a, a kind of an immediate response, but I don't pray for anyone in the normal sense that people pray for anyone. So the reason I say yes when somebody asks me if I'll pray is because I know they're asking for help. And so I always just say yes to that. And it's immediate. I loved what you just said, Max, which I, I wanted to hear you share more about, is when somebody asks for prayer, that the thing only to do is to get into a vibration of gratitude and healing. So that's, ex that's exactly what it is for me. Like when somebody asks me for help or asks me to pray, I just know that they don't know who they are. You could never ask for prayer if you knew the truth. So when somebody's asking, I'm grateful. I'm just like, okay, wow, they're, they've reached a place in their life where they're not going to try to figure this out on their own. And they're asking for joining. So, Max? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'll proceed my statements with, I don't have any answers, but I just have ideas about it. And when I think about it, uh, the answer in the course, which is, you know, the only meaningful prayer is a prayer of thank you. And for me, I, I, I add thank you for the healing. And the idea of getting into the vibration of the experience seems to me where the answer lies. Um, because you know from experience, everyone knows, just look around you. I mean, you know, thoughts and prayers do nothing. Um, you're, in a, you're in a state of suffering and you want an answer in that state of suffering and you don't seem to get one and you're praying to nothing um, and not getting a result. Um, you know, you're trying to, and, and in some ways there is a result that you want. Okay, can you please pray for me because uh, I'm sick or uh, this has happened to me or th this happened to those people? Can you pray for them? You want a particular result in mind. So you want the leukemia to disappear, which would just be phenomenal. If I, if I could just pray and disappear that person's leukemia, that would just be great. But has it ever happened? And the answer is probably no. But, but if it does disappear, then you start to take credit for it because you prayed. <laughs> then you're on a slippery slope. Um, I think prayer, the idea of prayer in some ways is an idea that you have no control. So you want to wrest back some kind of control. Something has happened to you or someone else or other people and you look around, I mean, look around at the world, you can see you have no control over it. It just, it's just this random acts of violence and ridiculousness, you know, in, in politics, in, in the world, in, in what people do. And prayer is an idea there that you think, okay, well, this is the only place where I have some control. I can pray. And yet you don't seem to get the result that you're looking for. You're still in the suffering. So if you're in that idea, then nothing can really occur. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why the only meaningful prayer is to get into a vibration of, of, of healing, of, of being grateful, of being in the present. And I've been recently doing, uh, again, Joe Dispenza's meditations, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And his work is really fascinating because it correlates with the course in that way, is that you get into the vibration of it's actually happened. It's actually happening for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in that case, the healing. So you get into the experience, and that's an emotional experience, a feeling that correlates with the thinking. And, you know, from there, whatever occurs, occurs, but you're in an experience of healing in that moment because all healing happens in the moment, in the present. It's not happening later. Oh, I'll be healed later. If I just, you know, do this and I pray or I do that, I'll be healed later on. The healing occurs right in this instant. Mm-hmm. Um, and the prayer of thank you from the course is simply a recognition that healing has occurred and it's occurring right now. Does it look like it from your point of view? From where you view things, it doesn't look like it. Yet it's asking you to be in the vibration of it occurring. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's a, there's a little battle going on there. You, you think, oh, well, nothing's happening. You know, nothing's happening. But now you're back in the vibration of nothing's happening. Nothing's happening to me. Nothing's happening to these people. Yeah. Well, now you're back in the lower vibration. So all you can do is recognise you don't have control and say thank you. And thank you for, for me, I say thank you for the healing. I say thank you for the healing. I love that. I had a kind of a interesting story with my mom that just happened on Saturday. She's opening up her camper up in Maine. It's a seasonal camper. And she asked if I would come up there and help her open. So I get up there around noon and it's very chaotic energy up there around her camper. She's got some guy over there and she's, I get out of my car. It's a beautiful day. And she's like, oh, my God, the refrigerator's not working. The lights aren't working. He's trying to figure it out. It was a neighbor. And I'm like, okay. And I just started taking the chairs out of her shed, and I put them out on the porch because what can I do? I said, do you want me to bring some bags in? No, no, not now. So I just sat in this chair and just totally enjoying the day. And then she came and sat down next to me and said, I was having a good day. And I heard, I thought I heard her say, I'm having a good day. So I said, oh, that's great. She said, no, I said had. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. She's, she was having a good day until she realized things were broken. So I said, mom, you need to get into, I'm having a good day. Look, at it. it's a gorgeous day right now. Look at the day we're sitting in. We're, we're up at the beach, sitting in chairs. The sun is shining. This Where's your problem now? This beautiful neighbor's here helping. And it's all going to work out. So she, she got into that. She was like, oh, yeah, you're right. And I saw her calm down. And then she called the RV doctor guys to ask them what to do. Nobody could really figure it out. And I knew it was just going to work out. I didn't think it was going to work out by some miraculous means or anything. I just figured somebody's going to like figure out why the electricity is not working. And all of a sudden I had this thought, I'm hungry. 
let's get this show on the road. And I said to my mom, do you want to go for lunch? She's like, that's a great idea. So she tells the guy who'd had left the camper for a moment, comes back and says, we're going to go for lunch. He's like, that's a great idea. It's a beautiful day. He looks in the camper and he goes, the lights are on. He walks in there. He goes, the refrigerator's on. Like everything was working. And my mom was convinced that somehow it was a miracle. I said, that's not a miracle. Like that's just something that happened. And I said, if it didn't happen that way, we would have figured it out some other way. But to me, that's what true prayer is all about. It's really getting into a feeling that everything is, is just has worked out. Yeah. If this is, and this is how it worked out. This mm -hmm. is it. Here you are. So he, this is where you find yourself. You know, my daughter called me this morning and she's been waiting 15 months to get a, a visa for her boyfriend to move to Australia. Um, he's American. And, you know, and she, she, she's been frustrated because it takes, it's a long process, the immigration process. But, you know, like I've said to her all her life, you know, it always works out for you. It just works out. Yeah. And I mean that vibration with her, that it always works out for her. So, you know, and if I'm, in that vibration with her. I mean, it has nothing to do with me. I tell you, know, it's, I just know it's going to work out mm -hmm. and I don't know how it's going to work out. I just know that this is how it's worked out and it's going to work out. So, you know, you can't take any credit for it. You know, the things, the things that are occurring and you can't look to see, Oh, well, I prayed and nothing happened or I prayed and something happened. So therefore, you know, prayer works or doesn't work. So you're in this really impossible situation where you're on the wrong track in a sense in, in trying to affect the things of the world in a way that you'll get a result that suits you because you never really know what that is because even once something like that does occur and you take credit for it, then something else happens and then something else random happens you know and then something else is occurring you can only be in this moment looking at your present state and seeing where you want to be and asking for the healing in the moment it's like the guy who's decides to commit suicide it was in a movie i can't remember and he's swimming out to sea <laughs> and something happens to him and he decides not to do it and he's, but he can't get back. And he's like, Oh God, you know, if you, if you, you know, get me back to shore, I'll change my ways and I'll be a better guy and I won't do this and I won't do that. Of course, you know, none of that actually works <laughs> because you're trying to bargain with a God, you know, you're trying to bargain with something that can't hear you. You know, you're bargaining with some idea that, that uh, you'll be able to miraculously change your behavior you know, of course, he, he makes it back to shore and he's just still the same guy because it doesn't work. It simply does not work. Um, and why it doesn't work, nobody really knows. But you do have the opportunity to be in a healing state of mind. Yeah. Raise your vibration. That's the only way I can sort of really express it is it's an idea of gratitude. 
um, like Lisa was saying, you know, look at the day around you. You know, it's a beautiful day. You're here. You're alive. Um, what is actually happening to you right now? Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's limitless possibilities. You're a, you're a wave acting as a particle. Um, so the prayer in and of itself from the course, which is, you know, the only meaningful prayer is a prayer for forgiveness, is a prayer of thank you, I think is completely appropriate if you allow yourself to actually get into the experience of that forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And what is forgiveness? I mean, when you look at the word forgiveness, it's a forgiveness of yourself for being who you are. Mm-hmm. This is you. And if you break up the word forgiveness, it's forgiving. Once you have given to yourself that gift of healing and of recognition that you're absolutely fine exactly as you are, then you're free to give it away. Yeah. Now you're free to give it away. Now you can give it away in any way that you choose. So if somebody asks you to pray for them, then you have no reason to argue with that. <laughs> you can just go ahead and pray for them. Well, and- what's amazing about it is that idea of that we have time. Like when I think about somebody asking about a son with leukemia, like I can only think of like different healing stories that we've all heard in time and space of somebody praying and then a miracle. You know, Anita Marjani, uh, you know, mm. there's, there's the latest one movie that just came out at Easter about the boy that fell through the ice and died. And the mm. whole community came together and prayed for him and he came back to life. You know, mm. so people say prayer works. And mm. yes, sometimes it just happens to work out that way. But I know mm. for myself that... I don't pray anymore for things. I just don't because, you know, I went through a whole thing with sickness for a long time and I kept praying for some change in my physical state. And what I finally discovered after years of realizing my prayers are not being answered because I had an idea of what the form was supposed to look like, I recognized that I could just be alive. I could just Mm. enjoy with the symptoms, with the condition, whatever it was. And I could just be fully, fully here in gratitude, in joy, in love. And that was my healing. That was, that was it. I, for that day, that's how I know healing is instantaneous now. So for somebody who's praying for somebody who's sick, you know, I can never give an answer about what I would actually do in this situation. If somebody came to me, like the situation would tell me what to do in that moment. But what I'm thinking about right now is if it was a friend of mine, I would remind them like you really have only right now and remind that boy. He only has right now, like enjoy every second. Like don't miss a moment. That's what I would say. You don't want to miss a moment of this. Like, I remember when my dad's um, second wife was passing away with cancer. It was so exciting. It was such an exciting time. Mm. And she wasn't that old, you know. She was 60, maybe. But we didn't want to miss a minute of it. 
we weren't praying for her healing. We were, we were really remembering, like, let's all be present for this. And we all remember it. We we talk about it now. We were like, we were all so just like, it actually brought us all together. So, you know, Mm. yeah, it's, uh, I I noticed, you know, after some catastrophe, some kid shoots up a school and kills a whole bunch of kids you know, thoughts and prayers go out and, you know, millions of people around the world pray that this doesn't happen again. And of course it just continues to happen. And so that would point you in a direction that that kind of prayer just doesn't work. It's simply not working. Um, There must be another way. And in our case, another way was of course the miracles. Uh, In someone else's case, it may be, you know, Joe Dispenza's work or someone else's work or you know a looking within and finding a solution in 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 someone else's way like anita Mojani just happens it just occurs i mean what happened she is completely riddled with cancer and it uh, and is about to die and then in one fell swoop she's healed yeah. and wakes up and is is healing and is healed now that's completely random and completely it's interesting because I look at this all the time. I really think about this a lot because you see these days we have access to, you know, the internet and YouTube and Facebook and we see all these incredible, at least I do all these incredible young kids, you know, eight years old, seven years old, you know, 10 years old doing these incredible things musically. Um, and just more artistically and with no, I was listening to an interview with uh, a girl called Tal Winkenfeld. She's not a girl, she's 30, but uh, she was from Sydney and she's played with all the famous people in the States, Herbie Hancock and Jeff Beck. And one day she was, she had no experience in music, no growing up with listening to music. Her family were different. She was a cross country runner. She's 14 years old. Uh, in Sydney and she walks past the guitar and she's never played and she picks it off the wall and strums a chord. I mean, how do you strum a chord if you don't know how to play? Mm -hmm. You don't, you can't, somebody has to show you. And she starts to cry and, you know, she just is in this experience that this is what I have to do. This is what I must do. And, um, from there, it just all fell in. It mm. fell into place. You know, it's this, it's this idea that, uh, okay, okay, now I should be able to do that. I'll do that. Mm. But we don't know where it comes from. There's no way of knowing how that experience occurs. Um, how does that music appear in that person's head? It just appears. How does that play? How does that idea? It just appears there. Mm-hmm. You have no real control. And the idea of prayer is the idea that you have some control. I'll pray and this will work. Or I'll pray and usually it's I'll pray and I'll just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then if something happens, you you can sort of point to the prayer and say, look, I prayed, so it actually worked. But no, it's a recognition that you have no control. So that's the last resort. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, Jesus gave us the only prayer we ever need 2000 years ago in our father. 
Like that's a prayer of gratitude. That's, mm. that's all that is. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's, that's it. Like it's, he was showing us the way. He wasn't asking, do this, do that, help me with this. It was our Father. Mm. Thank you. That's, to me, that's, that's really where it's all leading to. Mm. What I wanted to ask you, Max, is the second part of, of Jen's email mm. about when people come to you with all their stories mm. and ask for prayer. Mm. Well, you know, now you're asking, what should I say and what should I do? I mean, that's totally up to you. I mean, in, this is my experience. You see, Lisa's come to me this morning and said, you know, what do you do about prayer or what, what is prayer or, you know. So now this is my answer. So if somebody comes to me, then this is my answer. Her answer is going to be totally different. Mm -hmm. It has to come from your own experience. This is coming from my experience and, and my ideas. So you can't manufacture that. You have to have the experience and and move from there. So if someone comes to me, hypothetically, then that's exactly what I would say. I'd say, yeah. you know, I can, ask, I can tell you my experience with that. I used to years ago get so many emails, people telling me their problems and wherever yeah. I went, people would come up to me and tell me their problems, ask me for help because my mindset was that people needed help and that I could help them. Mm. And somewhere along the way, I really got it that no one needs help. I got it. Like I saw everyone can figure it out on their own or mm. everyone's whole and perfect. I didn't change anything. I didn't tell anybody to not come to me. Anybody can come to me. But suddenly people weren't coming to me anymore because I, mm. I didn't see them as having a problem. And I'll still see stuff on Facebook, on, I, but they don't really come to me anymore. They don't. And that goes back to what you talk about, which I love so much, is your point of viewing. Mm. Like when you shift your point of viewing and you realize, oh, I can actually see the perfection in everything. I can see the perfection of all my brothers. I can see there's no problem. Like I can see everything's working out. I can see, I can, see, I don't know. It's just a change of mind. And then the world that you thought you saw before is reflected the new state of mind. And, and that's a direct experience. Like, I don't, I don't know how all those, those emails disappeared, but I don't, I don't get people coming to me anymore. And I think for help. A really good example, I think, is if you look at people who are in uh, engaged in the act of solving problems, you know, like uh, think about some big problem like, you know, bringing clean water to African villages. I mean, the people who are involved in that aren't involved in it in a way that says, uh, in the negative that this is hopeless and it can't, you know, oh, well, I'll just do it anyway. Oh, well, I'll just sort of pray and see if it works. They're actually acting. They're in the action of doing it. They in the, they're in the act of healing because they see that 
this is possible. They're in the moment with, with being uh, grateful for what's available and the possibility of what can occur. So, you know, they're, they're, they're living in, in that action. They're not living in the negative, in the idea that, oh, well, you know, it's, it, life's just hopeless and, mm-hmm. you know, the Africans aren't going to get water and it's just going to be a horrible state, but I'll just go along. You know, they're working for that idea in that vibration. And you see that all the time in, in uh, you know, in people around the world doing what they do. I mean, they see a, an idea like, the, oh, there's all this rubbish in the Pacific Northwest in that basin where all that uh, plastic is, that big circle of plastic. A young guy just, oh, well, I'll invent something. Mm-hmm. And away he goes and he invents yeah, right. it. Yeah. And he just does it. You know, it's not, it's not, oh, well, I'll pray for it to disappear and... Uh, hopefully, you know it will be it will be healed. Ah, here you the... sorry. <laughs> There's the healing right there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, he just he's in the action. He's in the action of uh, healing. He's in the action of saying thank you, and and finding that solution. And you know, you, again, you just see it all the time. People are just doing that all the time. So really, you know, it's, it, we're back to the being in the vibration of the healing. And each of us are individuals. You know, it's like I was talking about the child prodigies. I'm not a child prodigy. I'm not a child and I'm not a prodigy. And there's no way I can manufacture that. You know, I'm not an inventor in that way. Uh, but, I, but I can do other things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm my own individual. Right? I'm perfect exactly as I am. And other things occur for me and happen for me. And it, it doesn't, it's not important what that is, but it's important that you recognize your own uh, idea of perfection exactly mm-hmm. as you are. Yep. And that's where healing occurs and that's where gratitude occurs and that's where prayer gets an answer. Yep. I love that. And I really love Jen's email because when I read it, I could see she's in a state of gratitude. Mm. Like it was this, the way she asked the question, like a real sincerity and a willingness to just be open to, you know, what do, what do I do here with this? And what I know to be true is we're entering into a new space in the world where like all that self-help stuff is just falling away. Law of attraction stuff falling away. People being confused and depressed and sad falling away. Like it's just people will begin to recognize, oh, it's just a matter of getting into a state of mind of joy, peace. It's not about getting something to be happy. Like can one be happy when their son has leukemia. Is that possible? Like you start to realize, okay, yes, this, this is possible. And for some people listening, that might seem like that's not, that's, that's not the answer I wanted. But to me, this is the work. Like no matter what's happening, you have the power and the ability to stay present no matter what. Yeah, I would say, can someone be happy if their kid has leukemia? I would say no. There's no way to be happy. 
there's no there's no possibility of looking at that and and seeing that suffering and being able to uh, alleviate that suffering the suffering in yourself by being happy um, because you can't manufacture it you you're in an experience and that's the experience you're in mm-hmm. and uh, as disastrous or as as painful as that might be I mean there, there you are you're in that experience you can't you know, I, I can't you couldn't say you could be happy in that experience um, but that's the experience you're having in that moment and that's where you are and and you know um, you can't judge that you can't uh, you can't turn it around for another person. You can only allow them to have their own experience, and that that's that's the perfection. Um, you know, because that's happening all the time to people every day. This is this is what our <laughs> master teacher used to call a slaughterhouse. This mm-hmm. is what this place is. This is a place of of pain and sickness and death, and you're finding a way through by raising your vibration into a, a place of healing and peace and happiness and joy yeah. and contentment. And we can't do that for another person. We can do it for ourselves. And then, you know, cause that, that, that guy bringing water to an African village, you know, they're excited for that moment and in the, in that experience. And, and, and yet, you know, they, they're having their own experience of their own lives. Um, whatever that means. So the prayer is thank you and thank you yep. for the healing. And it's a thank you for yourself. It's a, it's a recognition that perfection is all around you all the time. Yep. It's possible to raise your vibration. To it's such, a, it's such an interesting topic to me because me too. I have received so many emails from people who use thank you for the healing and thank you, God. Mm. who have seen physical healing. Mm. So I'm always but hesitant to talk about it because now somebody's going to use that as a formula. And I can't, nobody can guarantee that. Nobody can promise that. And this isn't about improving the physical, (laughs) although that is often what (laughs) happens. Yeah. Like we've seen in Joe Dispenza, he's a, he's a great demonstration of it. So many people have used his work mm. that, you know, Alexandra, you know, her story of having Lyme disease and mm. doing those Joe, Medis, uh, Joe Dispenza meditations and thank you, God. Thank you, 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 thank you. Just staying in thank you, staying in gratitude and that just disappeared. Mm. And then other people will do it, it won't work. So, you know. There's no guarantees. Even if you go to the doctor and he says, this, this is the cure, but we don't know if it's going to work. It, it works on, you know, 60%, 70% of people, but it may not work on you or, you know, you may be the one um, or it may come back or whatever. So nobody's guaranteeing anything, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're, in physical idea of the world or you're in an idea of I'll raise my vibration. Everything is just, it's all back to just an individual idea 
of their own perfection and the perfection of the world exactly as it is in this moment. Mm -hmm. Everything else is about what Heidegger calls handy hints. The Japanese students would go to the master, but the master said all they wanted was handy hints. They didn't want to know the truth. That's so funny. They wanted to know ways of, of praying so the, the sickness or whatever it is would go away. And this is not what we're dealing in. We're dealing in the idea that here I am, I'm in sort of an impossible situation because I'm this physicality. I feel myself, I can feel my arms and legs and, you know, and I'm moving through the world. You know, I, I touch and, and feel solid things. And yet somewhere I know that God is behind everything that I see. Mm-hmm. Everything that I see is what God is. Everything that I touch, everything that I eat, every, every contact I make with a person is what God is, is what perfection is. And somewhere I know that to be true. Mm-hmm. And when I pray, I pray for the recognition that I see that in this moment. So I, I pray that I am seeing it. Thank you for the healing. Thank you. Thank you for the forgiveness. So we're walking through a world, (laughs) okay, that's unreal. It's not true because behind everything that we see is the perfection of reality. And it's available for us to see it at all times. And, of course, we walk through the world and we don't see it all the time. We're just in our, in our minds and in our ideas and in our thoughts, and that's fine. That's, that's where you are. You know, that's, that's not the problem because um, you don't really have a problem there because that's what, a, that's what a human does. A human thinks. A human has ideas. A human decides on things and decides one thing over another. That's what it is to be human. And if you were a chair, then you would be a chair, whatever that means. Or if you were an animal, a dog or a cat or a lion, or you, know, you would be what a lion is, whatever that is. So as a human, you, you can forgive yourself for being human. So we seem to look at ourselves now as we discover as we discover our own perfection we see our own imperfection and we think we must reach for perfection because we're imperfect but in actuality perfection is always with us and it's what we are as we are in this moment amen mm. and that is That's really that just you know, that doesn't come from me. No, that's that's, that's well, it. Like, I love that because that's, that is the only prayer. Like, if ever I feel like I'm in an a impossible situation or difficult situation, if ever I feel confused or afraid, I pray to remember the truth. Hmm. That's, that's really my only prayer. Like, let me get back to remembering who I am. Let me remember God. And then there's no problem. Like, oh, okay, mm. everything's, everything's in good hands. You know, mm. not the hands of something out there, but it, it, I just know, like, oh, wait, I'm in the flow. Okay, good. This is the, this is the ride that I'm on, and this mm. is what it looks like. Mm. And 
and in that place, I can always, always find peace. Always. Mm. So mm. it's exciting. Jeez, so, I'm good. Oh, I was going to say, I, I surf a lot. So I'm out on the water a lot. And here where I live in Newcastle, some beautiful beaches. And there's always dolphins. There's dolphins that live here. Um, there must be good fishing here because they don't go anywhere else. They just hang out here. And sometimes you see 20 or 30 of them. Sometimes it's just a few. And I was out the other day and I saw some dolphins. And this is how the mind works. Um, so I saw the dolphins and I started paddling towards them. And, you know, because I was just sort of hanging in one spot. So I went, I went up to them. But also, occasionally I would just see a fin come out of the water. <laughs> oh, no. So the mind goes, oh, the mind goes shark. Oh no! Because because sharks move in a straight line, sort of sort of their fin stays on top of the water, whereas dolphins sort of do that little dolphin dive, you know. So you can see the fin sort of rotate in an arc all the time. So the mind goes from dolphin to shark, dolphin to shark, (laughs) and of course, shark means you know worry and imminent 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 death danger. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and of course, you know, I dispel that immediately because where there's dolphins, there's usually not sharks and sharks don't, sh- don't seem to move in packs. It's always just dolphins. And of course, and also there was all these lovely little baby dolphins with them. They had some young with them, which was really cute and lovely. But that's the mind. The mind goes from, you know, fear to perfection, fear to perfection, perfection to fear. And, you know, we are trying to, you know, not trying to find, but we're, we're finding that space of perfection of where we are. I mean, how could it be any more perfect than just to be out in the water with a pack of dolphins and just cruising around? Uh, where else do you want to be? You know, well, you know, you can find that space in your mind. How, how perfect is, is it to be in, in war-torn Syria? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But I see, I see that uh, people get on with it. You know, they, they get on with it. It's a, it's a horrible, terrible thing that occurs for them. And um, there's no way of me alleviating their suffering other than the action that I have in my mind that looks at perfection. Yeah, and definitely. But I've, oh, seen, I've seen you do it. Like, I know, I know you definitely have that ability. Like, to me, the yeah. way I always see it is that the Course of Miracles is true. I'm here as a light in the world. It's a place of suffering and darkness, and the light has come. And that it's inviting individuals to step into this function of bringing light to the dark. And it says, yeah. now the body has only one purpose of communication to comfort, heal, and bless. So A Course in Miracles is saying, we still see the illusion. We still mm-hmm. see the appearance of suffering. We see the pain, the sickness, the lonely, the violence, Mm. but with the ability to see beyond it. So to me, when somebody asks me for prayer, I just know, okay, they're just a little bit off track right now. And then in that moment, I never know what to do, but I know I'll be shown what to do if there's anything to do. Mm. And and I trust that that's enough. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I just find the mind is is available to all kinds of thought and, you know, thoughts occur and you just let them pass through. Um, I find myself observing a lot, just observing, 
and observing the thoughts that come and allowing them to be there, but they're not sort of really there. They just go and then you're yep. on to the next thing. You really just attach yourself to thoughts and you attach yourself to an idea of suffering if you want to. And you attach yourself to uh, a project. You attach yourself to uh, an idea that you can alleviate this suffering by doing this. So, you know, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. um, none of that is really important or unimportant. Uh, it, it's as important as anything. Um, but you're always... Well, I always come back to the idea that none of it is true. Yeah. None, of, none of this is real. That form changes form. Yeah. You know, I picked up a dead cockatoo the other day in my driveway. Somehow, I guess somebody poisoned it or maybe it ate some rat poison or something like that. But, uh, and it's, a be it's beautiful to look at. I mean, you know, in that case, I have no attachment to it. It's not a family member. It's not... Uh, you know, someone I know or anything like that. It's a bird and it's dead in my driveway, whatever dead means. And yet as I look at it, it's still changing form. It's form changing form. It was a cockatoo and now it's whatever it's going to be. It's, it's transforming. So, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting idea rather than I'm so, really so sad for this cockatoo. <laughs> I, should, I don't mean to laugh, but it's just, um, it, it's, you know, in, in some ways I am sad for the cockatoo because, you know, somehow it's, it's eaten some poison and now it's dead. Mm -hmm. But I still see it as form changing form. Yeah, exactly. Form. Um, right now it's sort of like, uh, you know, I've sort of really said everything I'm going to say about my ideas about it. And that's really, I can it. just remember somebody came to one of my retreats years ago and she and her husband had two little girls and they were at a family event. There was tons of family members around. It was a beautiful day. And I think the girl was three or four years old and mm -hmm. she wandered off into the water with everyone watching her and she drowned and she died. And, and I remember when she told me this story, it was like, what? Like to me, like, it seemed like a totally horrific, like to just lose your child on a day mm, when you mm. go to the lake and, and mm. how everybody blamed themselves. Everyone was there. So you hadn't even wandered off away from anybody. It was just <clears> a thing that happened. And to listen to her, mm. like, she was really doing the work. Like she was really still totally centered. Mm. You know, she came to the, she came to the retreat to just stay in that space. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. Like bad stuff happens, stuff that's just shocking and the grief that comes up and the, mm. but somehow she, she's new. I have a choice to make. Like I can either stay in the grief and I can be a victim or I can choose in this moment to move past it. And what she told me, it had been like two years since it had happened. People around her didn't want her to move past it. She was starting to get happy again. And people thought she should be suffering her whole life. And we talked about that. 
she said, you know, a lot of people just think I'm really terrible mother. Like somehow I, cause I'm moving into joy and you know, these are, these are the weird things that happen in time and space, you know, mm. like you start to experience uh, some freedom mm. and Byron Katie's there's a thousand names, thousand names for joy. I mean, the idea that, you know, something happened to her, Byron Katie, she was depressed and then all of a sudden she wasn't, you mm -hmm. know, and now she's awake and now she, she teaches the idea that, you know, mm -hmm. you're, you're futurizing or you're pasteurizing or past, you're living in the past or you're, you're fearful of the future. What about just being in the present? What's happening to you right now? I mean, where are you right now? Yeah. What is, is that thing happening to you? Is the bomb dropping on your head in this moment? And <clears throat> we think we can be a collective, but we're not a collective. Mm -hmm. We're just me. I'm just me. And I often see, you know, sometimes, you know, I see things like people uh, doing something in a group, in a large group, uh, like I say, a protest or an army or whatever it is, you're still just you as an individual chanting the slogan. And the guy next to you is also chanting the same slogan. So now you are joined in the idea of, of the cause, yet your experience is still just personally you. You're just, you're still just in that in individual space. So when I look out into the world, I'm still just viewing it from, from where I am. So I want to open up my vista and have a broader perspective of what's really going on mm -hmm. rather than my own limited perspective, which is from my point of viewing which says, you know, there is suffering and there's pain and this world is just going to keep going or it's just going to be destroyed and, you know, all those, all those things that we think about and look at. So I want to expand my vista because it's only coming from me. And, you know, I said the other day I was talking to somebody about this and the question I always ask and I ask myself, where is the world without me in it? Where does it exist? And without me knowing about it, how could it possibly exist? Mm -hmm. Now, you may think, oh, well, that sounds sort of narcissistic, but it's not really. It's the opposite to that. It's recognising that the world is who I am. The world is me. The world yeah. is a projection of my own thinking. So I have the opportunity to take a look at it and decide how that's going to occur for me. So we think that there's all these other people around us, you know, and we're all on the same path. We're collectively, consciously moving in direction of waking up. Yeah. But really just me, because without me in the world, I, I just can't, it, it's this hard thing to explain, but I just can't see how a world mm -hmm. could possibly exist without me thinking about it. Yeah. You know, I know that this computer is here because I can see it in front of me. It exists out of my own thinking without me knowing about it. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So 
And then you could say, well, you know, somebody else knows about it, you know, and they're telling you about it. But as soon as they tell me about it, now it's my existence because it's still in my realm of understanding of what the world is. It's still me. Yeah. Remember what I told you Greta once said to me? My friend Greta said, do you ever notice everyone dies but never you? Hmm. Exactly. I have, one more, I have one more good story that I thought about while you were talking. You know, mm-hmm. Victor Frankl? He's the Victor. Victor Frankl, he's the uh, Holocaust survivor. No, I don't know him. He's like super famous. He's written a piece, uh, Holocaust survivor. And, uh, well, you see, how famous could he be if I don't know about him? Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, he's super famous, you'll see. And he tells the story of being at one of these death camps and just seeing the most horrific things ever. His whole family died. Um, everyone around him being killed, beaten. And he said one day he was, and he was just so they didn't feed him totally malnourished, beat him every day, threatened him with death every day. They took, they were walking through a field and he collapsed from, from hunger and whatever. And the guards came over and started kicking him and beating him, telling him to get up. And if you don't get up, we'll kill you. Hmm. And he couldn't. He could, he, there's no ounce of energy in him to get up. And he said in that moment, he was transported to an auditorium where he was standing at a podium in front of 200 people teaching the psychology of death camps because he was like a professor and and in that <clears throat> moment he was there hmm. he was out of the field no pain and he said he was able to get up and start walking and you know he's he still had to go through a whole bunch more violence before he actually escaped but he told the story in front of 9000 people in front of a podium. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like he's, and mm. to me, that's, that right there is a course of miracles. It's like mm. all times going on all the time and you actually can depart from whatever experience you're in and find mm. the strength within mm. and change the it. scenery. What? You can't force it into being. Yep. You cannot force I was, I was, um, Yes, yeah, so we're individual. Like I was, I was listening to Joe Rogan interviewing Eddie Izzard. You know who Eddie Izzard is? I don't know who he is. He can't be that famous. <laughs> he's so <laughs> famous. <laughs> he's, a, he's a comedian, stand-up comedian, English. You have to see his, uh, his two stand-ups. One's called Dress to Kill. He's a transvestite, but he likes women. So he's sort of a guy who likes women, but likes to dress up in women's clothes. <clears throat> he's been famous since the 90s. Anyway, he ran, he ran 47, no, he ran 30-something marathons in 47 days, and he'd never run a marathon before. Wow. <laughs> and now he runs marathons all the time. But he, he's an interesting, uh, it's interesting to listen to him talk because he's a, he's a guy who says the human um is someone I'm, I'm just sort of paraphrasing but that needs action that needs to act and to go out and 
and do things physically and, you know, like in this case, you know, be physically active and, you know, and do these things. And, um, and he plans his life. Okay, this year I'm, you know, doing this. Next year I'm going to blah, 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 and I've got a tour of Europe and I'm touring the States, but I'm also going to, you know, study anthropology. I'm just making that up, but whatever. Um, so it's this idea of action and constantly in this state of... He's also running for parliament in England. Um, <laughs> uh, I probably was, have heard of him. Yeah, you've seen him. Yeah, he's, he's also he's been in a lot of movies too. He was in Ocean's Eleven with George Clooney. Oh, okay, yeah, I saw that. Um, uh, but um, the, it, it's individual, so it, so you can't be that. Like I'm not Mick Jagger, you know. You're not Eddie Izzard. You're you. And when you ask the question, how? What should I do about prayer? What 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 do I need? You know, should I pray for them? You have the ability to look within and get an answer and find an answer within. So now you may not get an answer straight away. You may not like the answer that you're getting, um, but there's an answer there that will alleviate all your ideas of asking questions about what should I do? Yeah. Um, because somewhere in there, you know exactly what to do. Yeah. And, and nobody can tell you what that is. Um, you can hear things and it might spark something, like, you know, Lisa might say something and, and it sparks an idea. Oh, okay. Um, you know, like a cockroach crawls across <clears throat> Byron Katie's foot and now she's awake. Oh. <laughs> how, how, how can I that- find a cockroach to crawl across my foot? Exactly. <laughs> How does that occur? Nobody that's knows. Funny. It just happens. And that's where we are. You know, like we're, we're in our own experience and find the answer within your own experience. But find, for me, it's, I found that being in the experience of it occurring, it's occurring right now. Thank you for the healing. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father thank you for the healing, then I find that whatever, it doesn't matter what's happening in the future. Yep. Yep. I'm here and I'm free and I'm talking yep. to you. Yep. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Well, Max, it's been a joy to have you on. I love your spontaneity that I can just call you up on the phone with no planning. Yeah, that looks good. You should put I'm it on video, in- right? <laughs> I'm still in bed. Yeah, right. I know. I get you out of bed. (laughs) Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. This is the Max and Lisa Show. And if you have anything you would like to add in the comments below about your process for prayer and what you do when people come to you for prayer, love to hear from you. Mm. And stay in joy. Thank you for the healing. Peace. Peace. Love you.